Dirty Coffee, and I'm Madeline Hewen. I mentioned last week that I was going to do an episode about doing 75 hard, but before I do that, I feel like I need to take a moment to talk about my relationship with food and overall like body image journey and just have like a really honest conversation about that. Um, because in 75 hard, I'll get more into it in that episode, but one of the things that you have to do is follow some kind of diet and another one is to work out two times a day. One of those workouts has to be outside. So for me personally, I will not be setting any food rules, following a diet, etc. Last time that we did 75 hard, we just did like to eat less meat and more vegetables, um, just to eat more like whole foods, which totally works. I feel like that's something I'm always trying to do anyways, though. It's really important to me and I don't feel like I need to go any further than that, if that makes sense. Um, I think that overall trying to eat well and to nourish your body is really important, but setting any kind of food rules, as I'm sure a lot of you can relate to, can be a little bit triggering just for anybody that has kind of like a weird relationship with food. Um, I know I definitely do. It's just something that I feel like I've always dealt with. Um, Honestly, I mean, I feel like only recently I've actually dealt with it. I've more just been living next to it, um, avoiding it, accepting that it's just a part of me and being fine with that. I think that the more people I talk to or see on TikTok, people are really talking about this more and more. Most of the women in your life, and obviously some of the men too, deal with just kind of like a funky relationship with food. Um, And I do think that this is something that comes from the culture and society that we live in. However, I also think that our culture is more of a result of human action. And a lot of the time our response to biological environment is how culture ends up the way that it is. Um, nobody's like maliciously coming up with these ideas. I don't know, maybe in the corporate world they are, but overall, like culture is the way that it is because we are a part of that and something in our biology is driving that. Otherwise we would just cast it off and it wouldn't affect us the way that it does now. Does that make sense? Um, So if you think about it, um, like biologically, we should be foraging for food or farming or taking care of ourselves that way, um, essentially working a little bit harder for our food. So in our biology, having access to food nonstop isn't really natural. Like it's not a normal thing that we're used to, um, like within our cellular makeup, (laughs) That's just not how our bodies are made to function. Um, And then you add in like the countless issues that exist with food itself um, that we consume. It's a pretty good storm to have like that kind of weird relationship with food. I'm putting that in quotations because I feel like I never had a word for it. Um, Now I do, but I'm not there yet chronologically to bring that into the podcast. Um, That being said, for all those reasons, there's also a certain undertone in our culture about what we should and shouldn't look like. Um, I understand also is driven by consumerism and manipulation of styles to industry to entice people to spend more money. Essentially, I don't put a lot of the blame on diet culture or media because a lot of us are products of our environment and the creators and perpetrators of these industries are not an exception to that. 
should they do more inner work and realize the issues of their line of work is this causing people a lot of issues? Yes. Um, but I also think that we should expect the oil industry to ultimately be responsible for that. It's it, industry and business is weird because their core idea is to make money. And if they don't make money, they don't exist. So any company that is not driven by proceeds isn't going to survive even if they be, be morally like upright. So the ones that you are left with, even if there were companies that were like super morally upstanding, ends up being the ones that made the money because that's who can survive, right? So yes, I do think that industry is part of it. However, if they are doing something that maybe isn't completely morally upstanding, but is making the money, they're obviously going to go that direction. Ultimately, we are responsible for our own actions to the media, like in response to the media. So as we grow and begin to have our independent thought, we have a choice to continue to put the blame on giant money-hungry companies as a capitalist-driven society and expect a board of CEOs to put morality ahead of profit, or we can squash them from below by standing up and gaining a backbone of our own to not allow them to influence our every thought just because they're there. I think that we're all a little bit stronger than that. And this is mostly to share my own journey um, and maybe help you see the areas where you too can take control over your thoughts and feelings and grow from the inside to fight these ideals. I think we too often look for someone to blame because it's easier than taking a look at why we're so easily influenced. <laughs> for me, defining myself by what I look like stems way more from not feeling like I had anything else to offer the people around me <laughs> besides my appearance, um, which ultimately it's less about tabloids, isn't it? Um, it's a much deeper issue that maybe surfaces that way and the tabloids can definitely kind of like take advantage of, but no one can force you to believe anything about yourself. You may be predisposed to fall victim to that kind of thinking, but they can, it, it can't be put there. Um, I know a lot of people who were just as bombarded with me as the same culture and they don't have the exact same complications that I do, right? So it still comes down to an individual level, how we respond to things, the tools that we were given when we were young to essentially grow up with that. Um, and your own experiences play a huge part into that. So for me, as long as I can remember, I was very aware of what I look like. That's just essentially part of who I am. And everyone around me always told me that I was pretty. Me and my sister used to introduce ourselves to people which we are obviously joking, but in like that way that there's also a little truth in what we believed behind it about ourselves. She would be like, oh, hi, I'm her name. I'm the smart one. And I would be like, oh, hi, I'm Maddie. I'm the pretty one. So to me, that was like my role in the world. <laughs> and we thought it was really funny. Again, obviously it was a joke, but I think that it was just like so ingrained in me that like that was my role in life. I was pretty and I was sweet and those were the characteristics that people would like praise me for and I don't know fully when this started but I do remember being very young and just needing to like have that validation um, and then obviously that was like something that kind of carried on through the rest of my life. <laughs> But like my sister was more praised for like being smart and getting good grades. And so that's what she like put emphasis on. Um, 
I do remember being in elementary school and not wanting to wear a certain pair of jeans because of how they looked on me. I like refused to go to school. My mom was like, what is wrong? And I was like, she went through all the issues. Like, do you feel okay? Whatever. I was like, uh, no, I don't feel, you know, all the faking trying to be sick. And it came down to that. I did not like the jeans I was wearing. Um, I also remember the very first day of kindergarten because there was a little boy going around like spanking all the girls' butts, like on that little alphabet rug first thing in the morning. This was like the very first day of kindergarten. Um, and I remember it so specifically because I like felt like I had to be okay with that in order to make friends because everyone else seemed to be like laughing and having fun about it. So even then I thought that to have friends, I had to offer up like a piece of myself, my like physical body that I wasn't like totally comfortable with. Like I remember feeling so uncomfortable with it, but not really understanding why I felt uncomfortable or, you know, obviously it's like a complicated situation, <laughs> even the first day of kindergarten, but just the feeling of like, okay, I have to essentially give up part of my physical body so that I could have friends. And then in second grade, I had a few friends that were boys and I would just like hang out with them. Like for some reason, like I did have girlfriends in elementary school, but I feel like it was, it was, I don't know. I just remember it being really weird. Like I had friends, but I never felt like I was actually having friends. I don't know. So, but there was a handful of like boys that I would hang out with again, like second grade. Um, and one day one of them told me that he wanted to have sex with me, which now I realized that this child was having experiences in his home that was exposing him to this kind of behavior. Um, having worked with kids and learned so much about helping prevent them from adults who want to harm them. Um, now looking back, it's so clear that he was going through his own problems. And I'm also, this is like a side note, but I am so passionate about like working to help kids not have these experiences and not like just protecting them from predatory people or having those experiences um, I've done just so much research and honestly, every time I go to the store, I'm so like on alert listening to every conversation that happens with children because I just, you never know if they're actually with their parent. It's, I'm always on the lookout <laughs> and having like put so much emphasis on that and learning the signs and ways to prevent it in like my work as a nanny and in the schools now I look back and like I said, it's very obvious that this kid was having his own experiences at home that brought this into second grade, right? Um, but at, at that point in time, right, it obviously isn't my issue. I'm just another second grader um, and it made me really uncomfortable that he said that. So I asked my teacher to move my seat because um, I like told my mom and she was like, have your seat moved. Um, and I didn't want to do that because like, that's embarrassing. So, but I asked her to move it and she was like, oh my gosh, yes, right away. Like, absolutely. She didn't even like, I was so embarrassed and so like hesitant to tell her. Um, but she was just like, yep, absolutely. Um, and she actually ended up completely rearranging like the seating chart. I think I don't really remember. Um, but after every, like we moved seats or after she moved me, just the boys didn't talk to me anymore. And I, again, I don't blame anybody else for my experiences because they were also children, <laughs> but 
but the contribution to this idea that if I wanted to have friends and be around other people, I had to allow these kind of comments and physical discomfort in my body. It just contributed to the feeling that my body was the only thing that people were valuing me for. Um, essentially, if they couldn't do things like that that made me uncomfortable, uncomfortable, or like say things, make comments, if if they weren't allowed to do that, then essentially like I wouldn't have friends. Is the idea, the thought, right, that I had. Um, and also at this time, the other women in my life who were, of course, going through their own journeys um, were really into like the fat diets as everybody was at the time. It was a big time of like losing weight, being very thin, like getting your body back after pregnancy, tabloids, like all of that was like right then the huge just like like low cal like counting calorie diets and all the you, you know the fad diets that were big in like the 90s and early 2000s um so just like the losing weight and being like the girls on friends lollipop girls as they were called at the time um and at some point in time I just became obsessed with that idea of being thin of having people look at me and go oh my god she needs a sandwich because they so clearly were saying it out of envy. That's something that I heard all the time that the women around me would say about like 16 year old girls or, you know, 20 year old girls. And they just, it was so clear to me, even at a young age that like, they were kind of being rude about their body, but also because they were insecure in theirs. I just remember picking up on that and like wanting that. Um, I saw a video on TV or something. I was probably YouTube or one of those weird like websites that existed that was like the beginning of me. What was it like stumble upon or um, we heart it? What were <laughs> I feel like there was a couple more like that. Um, it might have been on something like that. It doesn't matter. Um, but I was probably about 12 and it was like a video or like a gif or gif or whatever of a girl who was so skinny that like a guy put his hands like around her waist and his fingers met on either side. Like, and you obviously can't see my hands. I'm trying to do it, but like thumb meets thumb, fingers meet finger. Right. And like, that's how skinny she was. Um, and I just thought that that was like the epitome of beauty and like cool and a way to gain attention. Probably. Um, me and my friends would always measure our tummies and, their numbers were always lower than mine. And I always like wanted that. And that became like this goal in my head of like, I think at the time, like we were young and I think my waist was like 17 inches or something and hers was 11. And I just thought in my head that that's the number I had to get to. And it was actually just a couple of years ago. I was probably 19 and I was so mad that I was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get down to that. Or maybe I was like, I don't know, for some reason, 17 was stuck in my head as like what my waist needed to be. And so I think that that's probably what her measurement was, my friends. Um, and that's probably bigger than that. <laughs> um, and I, it, does, it doesn't matter. That was the number that I had in my head. And I was 19 or 20 before I was like, hey, uh, that might be unrealistic as those were actual children. <laughs> And my waist probably will never be that size. Not as long as I am healthy. Um, 
I also remember laying in the driveway one day with one of my friends. It was at her house. Um, we were in middle school, I think. Honestly, it might have been in elementary school because I'm trying to think about the dynamic between us and <laughs> if we were friends in middle school. I don't remember. <laughs> Anyways, um, she told me that her mom suggested that she skip lunch to lose weight. She told me that she did and that it worked and that she was losing weight. So I started skipping lunch and breakfast and pretending to eat at school and then feeling like so guilty when I brought my lunch home that like the food that my mom had made me I hadn't eaten. Like I don't know why, but I felt so guilty that I didn't eat the food that my mom made me, but I also didn't want to eat it. Um, and then I would eat dinner and I would eat until I was just like kind of pop because I was so hungry. Um, and then we learned about eating disorders at school and like they showed us pictures of just like the emaciated girls and all I could think is that I didn't have enough willpower to actually get that skinny, that I wasn't strong enough to not eat for that long. And I wanted to be. So the days where I would make it all the way through to bedtime without eating, I would lay there just like giddy that I'd actually done it um, and that I'd had enough willpower to actually go all day without eating. But ultimately I would eat the next day to reward myself and I felt like if I didn't get to that point that people were worried about me or that I couldn't stand up or that I was in the hospital that I was faking it, um, that I was like faking having an eating disorder because I wasn't bulimic, though I did try to be, but again, I didn't think that I had the willpower, as I would have put it at the time, to like, like I, that's how I felt because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, I just always felt like I was walking the line between what I knew was probably unhealthy, but it wasn't extreme enough to fall into the category of one of the disorders that we talked about in health. So I want to pause right here because I know that none of this is true, right? And I'm really grateful to have the language now and understanding of disordered eating and body dysmorphia because until it was introduced to a whole other subgroup of people who also struggled to allow themselves to eat when they were hungry and feel like they didn't have to earn it because I figured that until it was qualified as anorexic in my eyes, which was essentially skin and bones, that I was being dramatic and that I didn't actually have a problem. I was just begging for attention and being a drama queen. And I didn't allow myself to actually think that there was something wrong, even though I really knew that I was not okay. So over the years, I did obviously like lose weight. I also gained weight. <laughs> I started running in my neighborhood and I actually, I loved it and it felt really good to do something for myself. I love the endorphins I got from being active. It made me feel not bad about eating, but I also just really loved the movement. And I mean, a little bit later when I could buy my own gym membership, I joined a gym and of course started pinning all the Pinterest quotes about, you know, not being a quitter and being a gym girl. And I wanted the rock hard abs and to have all of that, like, intense defined muscles. Um, and I did get really, really strong. Um, I began to learn to eat to fuel my body, but at this point, my mind body connection is, was just like shot. <laughs> like it just could not tell when I was hungry. couldn't tell when I was full. 
Um, and then I would also work out for like two hours every day, um, really push my body. My knees definitely are feeling the effects of those workouts even today. <laughs> I'm working really hard to keep them healthy to age gracefully now. Um, but at the time in that community, the thing to do was to have the protein powder and, you know, get the big old muscles. And I became convinced that I needed more protein. And that's why I was always about to pass out. And, you know, not that I was like, just not eating enough and not drinking enough water, um, not getting the nutrients I needed. Um, so while my relationship with food had changed, um, it wasn't really better. I do really appreciate that I found such a love for activity, like being active and keeping like is healthy in quotations because while I was not doing it in a healthy way, it was better for me to be eating to, for the purpose of moving my body, I became more accustomed to eating nutrients to feel strong. And as a way to take care of myself, I just still didn't have the tools to do it quite yet. Um, so the value of movement to me, it, it stays with me to this day. Um, the importance of staying active is huge for feeling connected to my body, um, for regulating my hormones, keeping my body feeling good. Um, I've now reframed my mindset around movement a bit, but it's still really important to me. And this is all something that I do really still struggle with, though it's getting better. And every once in a while, I will do something and it'll occur to me how far I've like come in my mind. Um, I used to just not eat around other people ever. And I still am a little uncomfortable with it. Not going to lie. Um, it's just some like seriously from a very young age, I did not want to eat around other people. I would take my juice box under the table. Okay. Um, so that people wouldn't see me eat or drink. Um, I don't know. I think that I just had so much shame around food and eating in general, um, but this is last weekend, a couple weekends ago now, I went to a party and I got myself a plate of food from the table without even thinking about it. Um, and I don't know, it's these little things that sometimes I think we forget our victories. And not only that, but I think that it helps normalize things for other girls. Sitting at a table where no one is eating because they're on a diet is a worse feeling. Like you're so hungry and you've, well, okay, in my experience, I've been like so hungry and I felt like a loser for being hungry when all the other girls at the table were just like, oh no, I'm not hungry. And just like sitting and not eating, even though we we're probably all dealing with the same problems and the same feelings. So I think that just being able to get that plate of food and to sit and actually enjoy a snack with your friends at a party is really, I don't know, I, it, for some reason it felt like a really powerful moment just for me because it's something that I never ever ever would have done before and it was just little snacks like it wasn't a big messy plate of like spaghetti or chicken wings or something but which I still I hate to eat messy things around people it's just it's a thing that I have I don't know <laughs> always have um but anyways it's it's nice to have been able to actually take the food and just whatever. It was a little victory. Okay. And it's important to me to like celebrate those little things. And sometimes stuff like that happens and I won't have thought about it. And later on, I'll look back and be like, wow, that feels like growth. <laughs> um, I discovered an Instagram account, 
a while back by just an incredible soul. Um, the account is called The Simplest Self, and you should definitely follow her if this is resonating with you at all. She talks a lot about not only disordered eating, but trauma responses and general psychology, and it's really helpful in so many ways. She breaks down why you have certain responses to things that you had like growing up, and maybe they weren't crazy, but still shaped you, and to just identify those things can really help the start in the healing process. Um, she talks a lot about how in order to enjoy food, you need to feel safe in your body. So she gives a lot of tools to feel safe in your body. There was one reel that she had posted that I thought was so interesting um, because she was talking about food scarcity or like the scarcity mindset when it comes to food and how if you were ever in a situation where you didn't like as a kid, you felt like there wasn't anything for you to eat at home, be it like you truly didn't have anything to eat or maybe it was just grocery day. But as a kid, sometimes you don't understand that. And so these weird synapses connect and create nerve pathways in your brain that just like are super wacky. And so having that like scarcity mindset when it comes to food then can lead to like binging food when you have it. And I feel like I see a lot of that in myself when I am, oh, stupid. Oh my God. Um, it's probably from making myself not eat. And then when it came to dinner, I felt like, oh my gosh, I have to eat everything right here because I don't get another meal. Duh. Okay. <laughs> well, you just heard me have a revelation of why I am the way I am. So I gave myself the scarcity mindset, but I thought that it was interesting that she linked it to like, it could just be anything. It could just be that, you know, your parents had less groceries around or had food that actually like that you as a child couldn't make yourself and at least the scarcity mindset which then like will lead to you binging later on or when you do have food in front of you like it's harder for your brain to recognize that it's full because it's in that scarcity mindset and it thinks we have to just eat and eat and eat and eat like as much food as that is here so that we're like we have the energy to make it to the next meal because essentially your body's like we don't know when the next meal is coming so we need to just eat wow um we're getting really familiar with each other and you're just listening to my therapy session now <laughs> okay um wow duh okay now i feel dumb <laughs> oh my gosh um anyways <laughs> Because me thinking that the only thing I had to offer was what I looked like, it kept me from doing a lot of things. Um, I didn't put myself out there for things that required intelligence or hard work. I just didn't think that I had that. Um, but when guys gave me attention for my body and the validation that I got thinking that they thought that I was pretty, I felt like I finally had value. Um, and surprise, surprise, those guys suck. <laughs> But I felt like I needed that validation because if they didn't recognize the one thing that I thought I was bringing to the table, then I figured that they didn't like me at all. And it's not even like, oh, this guy didn't think that I was attractive at all. <laughs> and, you know, like that's a whole other thing. It's like if that wasn't the thing that they put the most emphasis on and like talked about nonstop, then I felt like they didn't really like me or whatever, you know, um, and the same went for my relationship with girls. This is terrible, but I, I 
didn't feel like they were envious of me, then I tended to not have the confidence to pursue those friendships, which now I'm like, wow, what a bitchy thing to want out of a friendship. And that's not to say that all my friendships were that way, but seeking that feeling out of being envied, I do think changed the relationships and the way I treated other people. And ultimately the problem was that I didn't feel like there was a real reason for them to want to be around me because the female relationships that were modeled to me were probably not the healthiest either. And hearing adult women talk badly about each other behind their backs just was so common. And they always had really jealous things to say about them. And I thought it was really cool to be that girl that everyone hated because she was so skinny, <laughs> which again, I don't know hundred percent where that came from, but it's just, it's just what I thought. So to hear women talk about other girls like that all the time and it wasn't even necessarily their peers but like my peers like they would say that about kids or girls that were like my age and they were like grown women um and I just really wanted to be that girl that everyone hated and that just kind of fed into that cycle of eating and thinking that way and all of that so I would have to say though that the real turning point for me in my life came down to a few things. Um, one, I stopped associating with people contributing to the idea that I didn't have anything to offer or even that other women didn't have anything to offer. If they never talked about other girls besides those things about their body or about their physical appearance or the things they wore. Um, I stopped hanging out with those people. <laughs> quite simply, um, people who made fun of me for my interests or being true, not being true friends when it counted rather. Um, I just, any, anybody like that, they're gone. They're not around or they're at the very edge of my circle. Um, I also started training myself to genuinely know when I was hungry and this is really hard. This is something that if you have gone through this, this is a complete restructuring of your neural pathways. Okay it's really hard because that switch is so broken. Um, my body has lost all connection <laughs> to the hunger, not hunger switch. Um, it just, it didn't have that connection for so long. I ignored it. I forced it just all the things. It wasn't just a natural flow with it. So it's getting better. I'm starting to actually be able to tell when I'm really hungry, when I am not hungry and I'm bored, when I maybe just need to eat to show myself that there is food around, even if I am bored, reassuring my brain that we are not in scarcity, there's food, and that I will give it to my body when it wants it. Um, can all those things can help rebuild that like mind body connection? Um, and the simplest self has been really her name is Lauren. Um, she's been very helpful with that. She also has like a one on one program that I think would be really cool to do. I think that it would probably be really helpful. <laughs> I just haven't gotten around to signing up for it or doing it all yet. Um, but it is something that if, again, if this is resonating with you, definitely check out her page, look into that program, um, because I do think that it's also helpful. I also, so I had a moment with myself during yoga, which overall yoga has helped me. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second. But during yoga, I noticed a scar on my knee that I've had since I was just like a little kid. Um, just 
from running around, being silly, playing, falling down, whatever. But I had this really intense realization that this is the same body that I had when I was a kid and that every time I put myself through a day of not eating or telling myself that I was too fat or that I hated the way I looked, that I was saying it to her, to that little girl. Like, can you imagine playing with like little you or say like if you have like a little niece, a little sister, friends, kids, whoever. Like if you're playing with them in the backyard and you suddenly just grab them by the shoulders and started yelling at her that she was ugly, she shouldn't run like that because it made her look fat. Just like all the things that you say to yourself all the time, just like picture that for a second, saying that to you as a child. So why was I doing that to her every single day? (laughs) To like the little girl in me that just wanted to play to have her favorite snack and snuggle with her toys. Like, why was I beating her up over and over again for literally wanting to eat? And like that moment for me was huge. (laughs) And I try really hard not to talk to myself that way, but it does come out sometimes. That mean girl inside me, (laughs) she still lives there. Um, These days we try to realize that the bully is really just hurting. (laughs) Um, If she's hurting, then maybe there's something else that we need to address first. (laughs) If she's starting to throw a fit about the way my jeans button, maybe we need to slow down and ask her what's wrong. (laughs) Is she tired? Is she stressed out? Does she just like need a snack and a nap? It's so much easier for her to be mean than to admit that like we love ourselves. Sometimes the bravest thing that you can do is to be soft with yourself and the defense mechanism to be harsh and hardened comes really quick and really intense. So Sometimes I just need to be brave enough to be soft, which as anyone who struggles to feel enough ever, (laughs) this is just a constant. So it honestly just always might be. It probably is something that I'm just going to have to beat her back over and over again (laughs) to protect myself, Um, which, you know, we all have our things. Maybe this is just mine. Um, So, but to get into a little bit of the yoga. So when I started getting serious about yoga, Something that really benefited me was being in a pose that felt really good, but that looked very unflattering. It started to force me to do things that looked not flattering for the sake of actually feeling good in my body. So the two that really hit that home for me were shoulder stand and plow. So for anyone not familiar with yoga, you can Google a picture, but I'll try to describe it to you. So for both poses, you start lying on your back and you bring your feet um, up, like above your hips, like stacked. Um, and then you press your feet to the sky while supporting your low back, let your feet come behind you to rest on the ground. Um, so you're kind of like your back's on the ground, your feet are behind you. If that makes sense. Um, extending your legs out long, that's plow. Um, and for shoulder stand, you bring your feet back up to the sky and try to get as close to a straight line, triceps and palms on the ground, stacking your hips over your shoulders feet up, obviously, um, just like you're standing on your shoulders. So for both of these, I was forced to confront my belly poking out to my face, just rolls and all right there. Um, just like right in your eye, eyeballs, (laughs) me and my belly. Um, and whatever, whenever I did these asanas or these poses, um, I started to say to myself something along the lines of like, I love you. You're beautiful. 
I love my roles. Look at how strong you are. <laughs> really cheesy things that just like gave me some time to give myself affirmations in a position that I didn't think was flattering at all and forced me to confront like the thing <laughs> that I was always trying to get rid of. The other thing about yoga that has helped me so much is truly the community. This is where I realized that language really, really matters and how you talk about yourself and how you allow other people to talk about themselves and how you allow other people to talk to you <laughs> and talking about other people. Like it all really matters, the people that you're around. So in addition to not hanging out with people who <laughs> would say things about other people's bodies or even just, I mean, we've all been in conversations where girls are like, oh, I'm so fat. I don't feel good. Oh, I'm so gross. Just like constantly like hating on themselves. It's really draining. Um, and so to replace that, not only with nothing, but like not only to take it away is what I mean. Um, but to fill that space with people who are always building each other up, who are at the very least not talking badly about themselves, you know, they maybe aren't walking around being like, I'm the greatest on earth. Look at how beautiful I am. But they're not constantly degrading themselves. Um, this community is the most loving, gentle humans. Um, people who are in the same journey and yoga really forces you to confront what it really f actually feels like to be in your body. And it strengthens that mind-body connection so much. Like you would think that just doing the poses would just feel like a workout, but it's so much more than that. It really, really strengthens that mind-body connection. Being around people who are all really, really hardworking on being in tune with themselves has been so amazing. Um, learning to sit with all the feelings that come up and having the space to do that. And there are people that have also sat with their feelings. And the, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but just the community and the people, especially at the studio I teach at, have just been so beneficial to me to be around and to hear the things that they have to say about their own journeys. It's really just been so beautiful. Um, so something that I recommend to you, if you're finding yourself in the company of people whose words are not helping your journey, um, if they say things about you or about themselves that contribute to a difficult relationship with food or your body image, just say nothing. If they complain about like how fat they are, just say nothing. Don't reassure them. Certainly don't critique yourself so that they don't feel alone. Um, just say nothing. People have done this to me and it shuts it down really fast. Like if you're the one saying it and there's no response, you really quickly go, oh, oh, that, that didn't work. I didn't get validation from that. They didn't like there, there, there's no response. You're not going to keep doing it. Um, if you don't get that validation that comes from complaining about your body, if you let that moment just be awkward, like those conversations stop happening around you. And if you have a friend that genuinely needs something in that moment and you have the space to provide it, then that's one thing. But if this is just like, I don't know, your friend talking about how she shouldn't eat that slice of pie or someone commenting on your body or somebody else's, just meet that with silence and let them sit in that conversation by themselves. I want to note that I think that health is really, really important um, this isn't to say that like you should throw everything out the window and just do whatever you want. Obviously, like I'm a yoga teacher. I just, I already said like movement is so important to me and I do try to eat 
to fuel my body. I try to make sure I'm eating very fresh veggies and from scratch items from, from, hold on, from scratch food items. That's what it is. Um, we only have one body, right? We, we get just one. Um, you should care for it in whatever way you need to. Um, there's a healthy balance that each of us need to find and health oftentimes has nothing to do with what you look like. So people are built very differently and what one person looks like being healthy and listening to their body is different than what somebody else looks like. Um, we need to get away from the idea that we have any idea what it's like to be in someone else's body. We all have such different backgrounds and biology that dictate what we look like. So leave it alone. (laughs) But for you personally, I mean, there's, there's such a line to walk of, am I being disciplined and doing the thing that's difficult in order to make myself healthier? Like it's much easier and kinder to yourself, you know, technically, or feel that way to sit on the couch all day. But the hard thing to do is to have a little bit of that discipline to get up and maybe go for a walk or go get in that workout that you know is going to make you feel good. What isn't healthy is working out when your body really needs to rest. And, you know, not like, again, there's just, you have to find that balance. It's not never doing nothing. And it's also not pushing yourself so hard that, you know, your body can't do it. So again, find what that looks like for you and know that it doesn't have anything to do with what you look like. It has to do with how you feel inside. And so if you can work on finding that mind-body connection and building more of that relationship, then you're going to be more able to decipher what that actually looks and feels like for you in your day to day. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much that. Um, the other thing that I want to encourage you to do is to share your story. I think that it can be really healing to share with your friends the struggles that you have. Um, Make sure that they are in a place to receive some big feelings um, and then just talk about it. Nine out of ten times they're going to have similar feelings and you're going to feel less alone. And even if they don't relate to you at all, (laughs) um, they'll have a better understanding of the importance of the language that they use around you and you know, why some things are harder for you or why it is really important for you to, you know, go for that walk that day or why it's important for you to not go for that walk today. You know, just all those things. If you talk about it and you share your story, it helps people understand you better. It'll deepen your relationships probably. Um, again, make sure they're in the headspace to receive something that's a little bit heavier. Um, but a lot of times you're going to have similar feelings to each other. Um, The other thing that I want to say is to let them take the picture, especially in important moments, um, but in the regular moments too. I think that especially moms end up having a hard time with this. Just again, working in childcare for so long, I work closely not only with children, but with mothers. Um, And they just, they don't want to get in the picture because they're afraid of what they look like. And we all do this, right? We don't get in the picture We don't want to look at the picture at like all these things that we're just so afraid to like be memorialized looking the way we look that day, but just get in the picture. Okay. (laughs) Don't look at it afterwards, you know, but not loving how you look right now 
is a really dumb reason to not document all the love that you've had in your life. Don't fade out of the background from your own history because you don't feel the best that day. I think that it's really important to continue to be present in all of the moments. And I think that continuing to do that, I don't know, it it makes you genuinely enjoy each moment too. Like if you force yourself to do it, even though you don't feel your best, a lot of times you look back on the picture later and you don't think, ew, look at how disgusting I am. Like you're like, oh, hey, I remember that day. That was super fun on the lake. That was, you know, we had a really good time in the park or, you know, whatever it was that was happening at the time. Um, you don't want to be the one that was standing behind the picture and maybe people can't remember if you were there or you can't remember if you were there or you know that you were there and you decided not to get in the picture. I don't know. It just, I feel like I can't put it into the right words, but you know what I mean? Like, especially moms, I think it's so important to get in the picture because your kids are going to look back and be like, well, I don't have any pictures with my mom. And just because you didn't like the way you looked, I don't know. I, I feel like that's such a waste. Get in the picture. Okay. Get the picture. Get in the picture. Got it. Um, anyways, I, that's just kind of like a rundown of my journey. Just kind of a very honest conversation about that. Um, so overall, this is why I'm not going to set any rules for myself. <laughs> okay. For 75 hard, um, when it comes to food or exercise, I know that's a little bit the entire point of 75 hard, um, which I'm going to get into when I, when I do that episode. Um, but for me, what's important to me right now is learning how to nourish and care for my body without rules, right? I, my whole life have set rules for myself of, okay, you're not allowed to eat until 5.30. You can have one meal today. You have to work out twice. You have to stay at the gym for an hour and a half, two hours. You have to run six miles. You, all these things. I've set all kinds of rules for myself my whole life for what I should do to, to my body, for my body, whatever. Um, and so for 75 hard, maybe it's a, maybe it still falls in that line of rules, <laughs> but I just, I'm working more on paying attention to what my body needs in the moment. Yes. I want to push myself to work out every day or have some kind of movement because I know that that feels good for me. And I know that is beneficial for me. I am not, however, going to say that I'm not eating carbs this, you know, 75 days, or I'm not going to eat any sugar. I'm, I don't set those rules and I, I'm not going to, especially not for the sake of a challenge that I'm putting on myself. seems kind of stupid, huh? Um, and same goes for working out. I just, again, it's important for me to get some movement every day. And I do know that I need to push myself and be disciplined to do that because I feel better when I do it. And so setting a goal like that is good for me. It's a way to push myself in a good way. Um, however, if I start pushing myself to do two workouts a day, um, I know that that's going to trigger a part of me that is going to go too far with it. And that's going to be too much for my body. So more so learning how to distinguish what I do and do not need um, what I think that I should be doing to look my best or to be competitive and be that, you know, like person that works out twice a day, like I need to move away from that more. So, um, so 
that's just kind of the background on why I'm not 100% going along with the rules of 75 hard. I'm doing it my own way. Call it 75 soft if you want. I don't care. (laughs) Um, But I'm just going to do it a different way. Um, And this is kind of why. And I feel like a lot of you can probably relate to this. I think that most of the women in my life have felt this way or had their own experiences that have led them to feel like their outward appearance is the only thing that people value. Um, And so then they put way too much pressure on themselves to look a certain way. I hope that all of you know that you're worth so much more than you give yourself credit for. (laughs) People will love you for so many reasons and pretty much none of them have anything to do with what you look like. And if they do, you got to get new friends. Okay. (laughs) Um, That's all I have for you. Beautiful people today. I hope you're able to take away some tools from this and I hope that you feel a little bit less alone. Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Okay. I love you. (laughs) Okay, bye.